Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, I really appreciate all you guys joining us today. I know that the weather has been pretty strange. It looks pretty gloomy. And I also hear a lot of gloomy talk about how the nation is going. And and I participate in that sometimes because it's not the same country that I remember. However, here's the one most important thing. I have a guest with me today, and we share in, uh, in common a lot of good theological points. And here's the best theological point for me to convey to you that if you're walking with Jesus Christ, this is not the end of the story yet. Yeah, amen to that. And so we can we can rest assured that Jesus said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, that he is going to be with us to the end of this time. And regardless of what happens, that he is faithful, even if we are unfaithful. And so you know what, on those gloomy days, on those days when it seems like the world is all turned away, I always reflect back on the fact that he didn't call me to try to look into the future. <laughs> he, he called me to serve him in the here and now. And as long as today is today, that's the time to respond to God. And as long as today is still called today, then this is what we are called to do in this time period is to be faithful servants of the one who who paid the penalty. And that's important. When I hear people say all the time, hey, your sins are forgiven. Yes, and, and that's absolutely true. But they're more than forgiven, they're paid for. Mm-hmm. And that was a horrible cost that it took to pay for those sins. So Christ came, he paid the sins, you're forgiven. But you know what? You'd be in a serious hurt if that's where he stopped. Yeah. But he didn't sure. stop. Yep. You know what? The amazing part is that I know that I am eternally secure with him. And you know what I know? I know that my righteousness is not too great. But I know that the Father sees me through the righteousness of his Son, which was imputed to me. And so on the worst days ever, I can still lift up my my eyes to heaven. Now, I have a friend with me, and he is my friend, and he is a pastor of Redeemer Bible Church in Elk Grove. He wasn't always. Matter of fact, he used to be the pastor of Elk Grove Bible Church. That's true. And uh, we just called it EGBC. But uh, he didn't leave anywhere uh, your church merged with another church, right? Yep. Why don't, uh, this is Justin Schroeder, and he's a pastor out there, one of the pastors, I guess. How about you tell us a little bit about that, about your church? Before we talk about the mission, yeah. let me talk to you about your church. Yeah, thanks, Pastor Tim. Um, it's good. We we are. I'm down at Redeemer Bible Church in Elk Grove, and just grateful to be a part of that body of believers. God's doing a good work. Even as you talked about the hope that we have in Christ, that's kind of our emphasis. Even one of the reasons we changed our name was to communicate Christ, our hope, Christ, our Redeemer, even in our church name. And so uh, we went through that process last year. And it was great. The church, we just kind of talked them through as pastors and said, we think this would be good for us to communicate our commitment to Jesus, even in our church name. And 
Uh, we love the word of God. And so we said, how about we can show our commitment to Christ and his word in our church name? And uh, there was no whole lot of options if that's your priority. You know, mm-hmm. you, you kind of churches get into some maybe, I would say, odd names, and we wanted to stay away <laughs> from being too odd. So we love the idea of Christ, our Redeemer. It's all over Scripture. God's a redeeming God. Amen. And so, yeah, we just, uh, the church was encouraged by that. And so, yeah, Redeemer Bible Church, nothing changed in our convictions. Right. It was just, uh, we wanted to communicate our commitment to Christ in our church name. And so, yeah, 2022 was great. We remodeled our facility. A church merged into our church, uh, changed our doctrine and bylaws just because they were from the 1930s and they hadn't been updated. So they needed a lot of work. So we did all that, yeah. and uh, it was uh, one of those years that we kind of went uh, a little crazy, but in a good way. It was all good things, and now we're back inside. All those yeah. changes have been made, and the body is united. Uh, people are encouraged, and uh, so, yeah, we're, we're doing well. God's, in, God's doing good things. You know, uh, throughout every time of transition, there is always problems, and they may not be the problems that sink the ship, but still— even if everything is going smoothly, there are still rocky areas, right, that you have, especially if you're going to merge two churches together, and then you're trying to come up with names, like you said. And you might say to yourself, well, okay, you come up with a name, but Justin or Pastor Schroeder here said something that was really telling. You want your church to reflect what you believe. And Redeemer, Christ is our Redeemer, right? Amen. And so throughout those rocky times, those are times that can be exciting too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, you know, it was interesting. We It was a lot of work pastorally. You know, um, oh, yeah, we have I a bet. great team of pastors, um, a lot of shepherding, a lot of conversations, um, you know, and so we we just saw God preserve the unity of the church uh, because our commitment is to Christ. And so right. it wasn't about one man's vision, dream, you know, it was about, no, we believe the Word of God is, is uniting us as a church and that the gospel is what brings us together. Our unity's in Christ, not in our politics or not even in our common vision for this church. It's our unity's in Christ, our commitments to the Word of God. And just right. and then as long as that's our authority, not this man's opinion or this, this, this group or this thought, it's like, no, no, we're just going to come around and what does God value? And we just saw God kind of unite the church there, you that's know, where a- there was no ugly splits, votes, you know, all that stuff that you can hear about. It was like, actually, we, we just, it was a great year of just the church coming together and saying, man, we're excited for what God's doing, you yeah. know, and willing to move forward together. That's it, it, that's actually the way the church should come together. I've been in uh, meetings at the church when there were arguments over the picnic tables, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we just call that carnality, right? It's like, <laughs> exactly. you know, it's, it's easy to say you're Christian, it's hard mm. to live Christian, Yeah, you know, and so, you know, it's like, is our unity really in Christ, or is our unity in all the other things that we value, right? And I mean, it's so much of Paul's writings to the church, they all deal with, yep. you're having divisions over things that were culture, or things that were socioeconomic, or, but hey, you're one in Christ. And actually, it's not just theological speak. It's actually practical, right? Because all of these letters to the practical. churches were practical. This is how you actually work out your faith, yeah. you know? And so I think uh, pastorally, it's sweet to see that actually happen, right? There's all the horror stories of, you know, but I just would say that's sin in the church. It is. Right? Mm-hmm. And so when you see the Spirit of God at work uniting His people, even through a, 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 a stretching season, it's like, oh, praise God. Yeah. Praise God. 
Yeah, I mean, you and I talked about, you just came back from Africa not long ago, right? Yeah, last week. And so uh, you see the poverty that is in Africa. You see the haves and the have-nots, the divisions that are there. And yet some of those churches in Africa, they have unity amongst themselves, even though they have nothing physically, right? What kind of a lesson should that teach our churches here? Uh, it reminds me of Philippians 4, where Paul speaks of contentment. Yeah. And he says something interesting, you know, because Paul's an apostle, so sometimes we can think that's like super Christian status, you know? <laughs> like he could do no wrong, he right. floated around on a cloud, you know, sure. and yet he was very much a man like the rest of us. Right. And he said, he said I've learned contentment. Right, yes. and then he talks about facing plenty, having nothing, right. and he said that in all things I've learned to be content. And it's actually in that context he says, in, "In Christ I can do all things." Right. So the context of that famous verse is actually contentment when you have and have not. I think when you're in in, exactly. in a country where they where they have less, you really see like, wow, their joy is in the Lord because it can't be in these other things, right? And and I think we can we can have joy in the Lord in our society, but we can confuse joy in the Lord with joy in stuff, or, or just happiness. Yeah, or joy in comfort, or right, joy right. joy in health, joy in my bills being paid. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think God is gracious to take all of that away, uh, not just from our brothers and sisters in Kenya, but even for us, and say, "Hey, are you really content in me?" Right? Because those are that's the kind of stuff we know. We have all, I call it Christianese. We have all these Christian words we say, sure. and it sounds good. Until God says, okay, I'm going to prove it. And then Paul, like Paul, always says, oh, I learned contentment, God. You taught me that, right? Even Paul. Uh, yeah. Right, even Paul. Like, I, maybe, you know, I could think I'm content in all circumstances, and then God says, really, let me prove it. Mm-hmm. And then he pushes you into, oh, <laughs> yeah. now I've got to trust the Lord, because uh-huh. something got uncomfortable. You uh-huh. know, and when you're with brothers and sisters in a foreign country, maybe that don't have those things, you see, wow, like... Your contentment has to be in the Lord, because it can't be in the things, because you don't have any of those things. You know, Africa brings to mind a lot of different things, but years ago I was at a church, and they were uh, they had said that the sanctuary was too cold. It was a big church, and they said the sanctuary was too cold, and, and I said, well, I'll give you a hand with that. I couldn't get over there right away. The maintenance guy was pretty angry. <laughs> And he said, well, we've got a lot of the people here that said, if it's that cold in the sanctuary next Sunday, we're not going to come to church, which tweaked my heart a little bit. And I said, you know what? I said, we've got brothers and sisters in Africa, and I've seen pictures of mud huts that were the churches, and the people are covered with flies, and they walk across the plains where there's snakes and deadly things and bad guys out there, and they will walk for hours to get to church on a Sunday to sit in the heat, surrounded by these flies. And so our people, who could just bring a sweater, they're going to leave the church if they don't get it a little warmer. I said, man, if that's our commitment, maybe they should leave, because our commitment needs to be stronger than that. Yeah, I mean, it just reminds me of 1 John 5.21, where the Apostle John says, my little children, keep yourselves from idols. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't really talked about idols the whole book, but he's talked a lot about sin. 
and I, my my conclusion is that <laughs> sin is is the functional idols, right? And I think every culture has blind spots, and I think I think one that you hit on is the blind spot of of comfort and convenience, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes it takes seeing believers in another part of the world to say, "Wow, we we really have idolized comfort and convenience." That you know, when these believers are joyfully walking a half hour to an hour to come to church, or yeah, you just sitting there sweating all morning long. Um, it's all good. We're okay. Like, we're hearing we're, the word of God. Yeah, we're so grateful that yeah. we're here to gather with God's yeah. people. And you know, you just again, you see, oh yeah, we have these blind spots. You know, First John five calls them idols. Yeah, um, and I have those blind spots. Amen. Too. Yeah, we all do, and we need the word of God and the spirit of God to help us see them. But sometimes exposure to a brother or sister in in Christ in a different culture helps us see those blind spots. It 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 really does. You know, I remember when do, uh, somebody was uh, talking about Dr. Livingston, and they said that Dr. Livingston, who brought the Christian faith to uh, Africa originally, he he was uh, out of Scotland, and so he was there. And the mission board had sent him a letter. If there are roads, we have men we would like to send as missionaries. And he wrote back saying, if your men need roads, I don't need them. Send me men who want to build roads, right? So (laughs) don't come when it's comfortable. Right, right. Come when it's not comfortable. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. And then you just see, you know, uh, even before we were on the air, the conversation of Christ builds his church. Yeah, You know, and that's where you see, you know, we think that the church being built requires (laughs) these fancy... Uh, luxuries, and yet you're like, wow, Christ is actually building his church. Um, and it's not always beautiful or convenient or luxurious, but wow, he is doing a mighty work, you know? Yep, and that's what counts. It doesn't matter. Yes, I mean, we would all love to have a beautiful sanctuary, you know, nice classrooms for the kids, you know, a place for us to cook and 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 maybe a separate place where we can eat so we don't mess up our sanctuary, right? Which in a lot of smaller churches, your sanctuary is like everything. You do everything, yeah. there, yep. right? Yep. But the bottom line is that if we had a great edifice and it was perfect in every way, but devoid of the word of God, it would be nothing. Yep, yep. And so, uh, you know, and that's, that's, what, that's what Christ tried to get across everywhere he went. When he confronted uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and, and you said earlier when we were off air, we were talking about, you know, we're trying to nitpick these little things, and we're forgetting the other things. And Christ said the same thing. He said, you know, he said, you strain out a gnat, and then you swallow a camel. He said, you go halfway around the world to get a convert, and when you do, you make him twice the son of hell that you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so far for Jesus always being a diplomat, right? Right, not at all. Uh, never, right? So, uh, But the bottom line comes down to we have gotten in this country, in my opinion, in many places, our priorities mixed up. The, the, the building is the important part, and then we'll, we'll figure out how to do church. No. You do church even if you have to rent a, a storefront in downtown Sacramento or you need to preach on a on a field, you know, like like uh, Whitfield did. Yep. yep. Those things are the periphery. The important part is that people know the God that we know. Yeah. Right? Amen. Which comes through the word of God, right? Your commitments to the word, 
to, to letting God speak through his word, you mm-hmm. know, training these men in Kenya, the beautiful thing was, it's no different than what we do here. The centrality is the word of God. Mm-hmm. The convictions come from the word of God. Um, and so really everywhere you go in the world, it's the same thing. If it's Christ building his church, then it's going to be through the word of Christ. And we need to make sure that that's clear because that's what actually builds the church, right? Yeah. You could have a big crowd come to a big building and it not be the church, right? And we see that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Time and time yeah. again where there are auditoriums, churches filled with people and devoid of the word of God. Yeah. You you preach uh, expositionally. Yeah, through, and, through uh, the scriptures. And uh, that is how uh, I go and all the people mostly that I know do. What's the importance of that? Wow, that's a, a loaded question. It is. It's um, one of those four-hour you know, questions. How many hours do we have? Yeah. Um, you know, I think for me, there's so many, so many convictions there that come to mind. You know, first off would be that everybody says they believe Second uh, Timothy three sixteen yes. that scriptures breathed out by God. It's inspired. Yes. All evangelicals say they believe that, um, and yet I actually in our practice, I think we deny that we. Uh, the sufficiency of Scripture. Mm-hmm. We say it's inerrant. We say it's in, breathed out by God, but we don't actually think it's sufficient. And what I mean by that is when pastors get up and they they create their own sermons out of their own heads, thinking that they have a better idea, what they're really saying is, is I'm going to build the church with my ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not God's Word is too old or too difficult to understand or too complicated, and so I've got an idea. Or, or I read a book that gave me an idea. I see a yeah. new idea. <laughs> right, right. And so for me, it's actually my commitment to the Word of God, and literally that text finishes with, and is profitable for doctrine, for instruction, yep. for reproof, for correction and righteousness, that the man or woman would be thoroughly equipped for every good work, which, right. which then leads Paul straight into, so therefore, brothers, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, preach the Word. Mm-hmm. Be ready in season and out of season, right? Reprove, rebuke, exhort, right? And he's, yeah. And then he says, and to teach them with all patience, right? So the whole job of pastoral ministry is to build people up in the faith, which comes through the word of God. So for me, I, I'm terrified of having to come up with what do I think the church needs this week. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a terrible platform for ministry. It's frightening. Yeah, God has given us his word. Mm-hmm. And the best way to guard against pastoral abuse or even pastoral opinionating in the pulpit is just to preach the word of God. So, you know, I mean, there are times where I'm, I'm preaching through the gospel of John right now. I'll be done in a few months. I've been in there probably too long. I'm there but, too, by okay. the way. So, you know, for me, I tell the church, hey, there are some weeks, this is what I call a home run text. Every preacher can't wait to preach John 3, 16. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's your favorite, right? And then there's other weeks where you go, wow, this is hard. This is hard to steady. It's hard to put together. It's hard even to know why it's there, but it's God's word. And if all of the word is profitable, then I need to bring even this part of the word to, to, to bear for God's people, because it's going to grow their faith if that's the purpose of the word of God. Yeah, and those convictions, and every pastor who wants to try to really bring the Word of God out, the difference being that some men take the Bible, and I heard this said, it wasn't anything I came up with, that we know that the Word is a light into our feet, right? And so he said, but some men, like a drunken sailor stumbling down the street, use the lamp pole to lean against, Mm -hmm. whereas other men 
use the light of the lamppost to guide their way. And so when you have your idea and then you just want to throw a bunch of scriptures in to prove it, that is is not the way that we need to go. And yes, sometimes things are hard. Wasn't it Spurgeon that said that, um, maybe I'm incorrect, I thought it was Spurgeon that said that he thought the book of James shouldn't even be in there. Oh, that was Martin Luther. Martin Luther, I'm sorry, you're epistle. right. But yeah, um, I mean, I think there are things that make us, they make us wrestle. Sorry, uh, Spurgeon. That's okay. <laughs> he, he, he won't hold it against you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there are things that make us wrestle with Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the job of the pastor. It's why the pastor is commanded to study, to show yourself approved, a workman who needs not be ashamed. And then the kicker is rightly dividing the word of truth. That's the key. So that's how we are not ashamed before God, is we rightly divide right. the word of truth, not avoid the ones that we can't comprehend or that are too hard for us. Yeah, and there are some that are are really, really thorny. I mean, you might be going through four, five, six verses, and you get to one, and it's like... I'm going to have to spend the next two weeks on this verse. But, uh, you know, and, and I want to, I want you to stay over for another segment. We've got about three minutes, but and I want to talk a little bit about the mission, too, and your involvement at the mission. Absolutely. You come and you preach with us, and you, you do things like that. But to your point, that what I say and the things I, I know— are of no consequence unless they're coming directly out of the Word of God. Absolutely. You know what? Uh, I'm I, going through John, and we all love certain sections of John. We love to talk about Nicodemus, and we love to talk about uh, the woman at the well. We like to do all those things because they they are just—you could make five sermons out of them. You know, those are the—but then when you get to some other places— and they're a little more difficult, right? Right, right. So before we go off the air, and uh, I want you to hang on for next week, and I want you guys out there kind of make a note of it because I'd love for you to listen to uh, my brother here because you hear me all the time, but uh, he has a he has a wonderful ministry going, and I'll be entirely frank with you. A couple of his people work with me out at the mission because they're solid people as well. And that is what our hope is for the mission, is that we continue to build it into something different than it had ever been before with a a solidness about it. Uh, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit about, as you know, we employ newthetic teaching or biblical mm-hmm. uh, counseling. Yep. Yep. And uh, that's just a fancy word, just like when you uh, were saying that that uh, that there's a way that we can preach and then we believe it, but to, in, you know, to get it in our hearts Absolutely. well, the fancy word is we can believe in orthodoxy and fail to have orthopraxy. Yeah. We got the knowledge. We just don't do it. So we're down to one minute. Anything you'd like to say before we go on? No, there? I think that next section, next segment would be great to talk about why we actually believe the Word of God Amen. is is um, able to do all things for life and godliness. And and I absolutely agree. And, and believe me, my strive is always godliness, and I have failed uh, every day so far. <laughs> Praise God for present grace, future grace, past grace, <laughs> all of it, right? Because we need it every day. I do, I do. 
And so, you know, it's it's always great to have you here with us. And so until we meet again, my dear friends, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.